guys, welcome back to the Wavy Podcast. I am your host, Gemma, and here with me I have today Chromio and Anomaly. How are you guys doing today? Good. Very good, thank you. Good. Glad to hear. So for those who don't know, Chromio is a Canadian electrofunk duo, and Anomaly is a Montreal-based producer, electronic artist, and keyboardist. So I'm having them here today so we can chat about their new EP called Bend the Rules, which dropped on Wednesday, December 2nd, which has given me a ton of time to bump it. And I love it. I find it's a really, like, groovy psychedelic and jazzy kind of mix of a few tracks and although it's just a few uh the way it progresses like it it doesn't I don't know to me it just doesn't feel like three tracks and uh yeah it's just really fun and upbeat but that ends really low-key but groovy I don't know (laughs) but I'd love to I'd love to hear um what made you guys want to collaborate on this project we started well P and I were um plotting this label called Juliet Records, uh, which was, which um, uh, was going to be, or is, is a Chromio run and created and curated label. And the idea was to reach out to a bunch of artists that we liked and offer them our equipment, whatever expertise we can share, uh, our studio, our resources, and basically create a platform where we could produce and mentor uh, artists that we love for kind of like, you know, one-off projects with very artist-friendly deals. So that was kind of like, you know, our way of kind of evolving as Chromio and and doing other things than just putting out records because we've been in this game for like 10 plus years, 15 Mm -hmm. years, I should say. And uh, we were fans of Anomaly's music for a while. And the fact that he comes from Montreal like us you know and that we can speak french together yeah it created a connection yeah, yeah, yeah. i reached out to him on on dm and i was like dude like we should work on something and he responded right away and he was like oh i've been a fan of you guys blah 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 so it made sense and um so we invited him to our studio in burbank for a couple of different kind of residencies quote unquote and we basically had him choose whatever synths he wanted from our collection and uh, let him do his thing. We basically were at his service. Like, if he wanted talk box, we'd do it. If we wanted vocals, we'll do it. You know, whatever he wants. Wonderful. And then when did you launch the record label? Congratulations on that, by the way. Uh, we launched it last spring. So peak, Okay, cool. So it's been a little again. while. Uh, so how long were you guys planning this EP for? In a year, maybe? A little less, a little than, less than a year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we met for the first time in September of 2019. Um, and I remember just when uh, Dave reached out to me initially, and I remember like I had been bumping fancy footwork uh, during my high school, which was pretty pretty surreal. And uh, as he said, like just I, I had been like producing for for a few years, but mostly like just using computer tools. So having access to all of these amazing keyboards and synths that are in some cases it's very hard to find today or like not really affordable. It was really a dream come true. And having both P's and Dave's expertise was really, really cool. So we met in September, uh, then again in January, and then the finishing touches were done at a distance, but we were very fortunate to be able to do like the bulk of the, the work in person before the craziness uh, started. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, you and me both for bumping them since high school. <laughs> but um, I, so, you know, speaking to these synths, not that I understand too much about it, but I'd love to hear about, you know, some of the key ones or maybe most interesting ones you guys used on this record. 
Um, Nico, what would you say your favorite would be? I think you used most of the stuff was done on the OBX and the Minimo. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, th those are the two main ones for sure. I think I, I love the, the Minimo the most. Uh, and then there was quite a lot of Juno as well, but I think those were mostly the, the oh, three yeah. main ones. Wait, did you guys say OBX? Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was really OBX and Minimo. Yeah, was a lot right? of, yeah. The, the Juno is, is cool, but the OBX is the special. Yeah. The OBX is the special one that, you know, if somebody has that synth, it's probably not in tune. Um, right. I take pride <laughs> in maintaining my synths, you know, like a, like a, maniac dad on a sunday with his vintage car you know what i mean so <laughs> so that's that's good to have in the arsenal and and it behaved that week so nico was able to use it uh for, oh, yeah <laughs> and for us it was like an interesting experiment because p and i are not we're not really trained musicians you know like we're kind of self-taught and we just wing it and we've Uh, we've developed the, you know, kind of the quote unquote chromio sound over the years with our equipment, but it was really, we were really curious to see what someone with Nico's training and with Nico, what, what, with Nico's virtuosity, like what, what someone like with that level of skill would cook up with our equipment. So it was, it was, it was a cool experiment for us as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I can definitely hear the influence of his sound within this record as a, you know, you can hear a bit more of a jazzy vibe, which is yeah. amazing. <laughs> I love how the end of every song kind of has this like jazz breakdown. Um, yeah. That's something I really yeah, yeah, yeah. enjoy. So where was this recorded and what was the writing process like collaboratively? Everything was written and recorded uh, in Burbank at our studio in right. Burbank, California at the private sector studios. And I don't, Nico, would you say like a lot of it was just like sort of you writing the stuff in your own, in the room that we gave you and then we would come in and maybe like give some feedback and work on yeah. stuff together or how, yeah. how would you describe it? I would say I would like just show up every day and then like every like two or three days P would show up with like different sense and suggestions and then I'd try to mess around with some textures. P would like recommend uh some patches or like some ways to i don't know use the full potential of i don't know like a given sense filter or available textures and then dave would come in yeah yeah exactly and then dave would come in and uh yeah you made like a lot of really interesting suggestions like on the structure like you know just gave another perspective And then uh, I think the vocals were done mostly on the second trip and then after that as well. But for Peace Talk Box, it, it was, um, I remember that very fondly, like just getting like, I don't know, like an initial verse or pre-chorus started. And then Pete would come in, lay down like maybe a synth pattern or something. And then we layer every talk box and just do it in like less than an hour. That was a really, really great feeling. Yeah, we, we stacked harmonies on top of harmonies. Yeah. For two two of those songs are heavily heavily harmonized talk box. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's very very layer heavy, and I love music like that because you kind of can just listen over and over again and constantly discover, mm -hmm. you know, new sounds and such. Yeah, we we made we wanted this to be kind of nerdy because with Chromio, there's a big side of our fan base that are just like studio nerds and synth nerds, and and when I say nerd, I don't mean in a pejorative sense at all. Just like 
you know, synth geeks or whatever you want to call it. Like people who really love gear, love plugins. Yeah, because we are too. That's how, we, yeah. And, and, and when we are in full chromio persona with, you know, with our leather pants and, and the female keyboard stands and our glossy imagery and we're prancing on stage and stuff, sometimes that aspect gets eclipsed by mm -hmm. all like the glitz of our, you know, outward uh, appearance yeah. and of our, <laughs> our packaging. But, but this EP was a chance for us to connect with like a real kind of studio, studio personas, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. No, I can totally see that. But also that, that level of, of geekiness goes into our own music too. So yeah, definitely. It's, right. it's a way of us to, you know, explore, explore even more in depth. <laughs> Right. Another thing, another thing that I forgot to mention about why um, I reached out to Anomaly and, and sort of an added layer of significance for this EP for us is that obviously, so that we're all from Montreal. Um, so it was, it was really important for us to have a Montreal artist that we love during the first year as one of the first releases on our own label. You know, mm -hmm. symbolically that meant something, but also to have a Montreal artist who's connected with jazz because we grew up in Montreal. We used to go to the jazz festival in Montreal like every summer, you know, whether it was to make fun of the, the blues bands, to make the clown like the cheesy blues bands, the blues cover bands, or to go see real concerts and weirdo stuff like when my brother A-Track played with John Zorn, like just weirdo shit, you know? Oh, <laughs> I had no idea that happened. That's crazy. Yeah, dude. <laughs> What? Yeah, it was crazy. With uh, with uh, John Zorn and Bill Laswell, actually. What? <laughs> so, you know, we have all these memories. And also, we grew up listening to, like, you know, Quebec fusion bands, like Uzeb and stuff like that. There's a really heavy native Prog, jazz, yeah. Prog, Prog jazz. Scene. Prog jazz. Yeah. Tradition in Montreal. And, and some of it's a little cheesy, but deep down, it's it's very cool because it's so specific. I think to Quebec, right, Nico? Would yeah. you say that? Yeah. Well, I think like Gino Vanelli also has that that legacy from the same period. Yeah. But like, what? How do you would you say that, Nico? That it's like there's a very specific jazz heritage in Montreal. Like, uh, how, what's your interpretation of that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's. Obviously, I, I wasn't alive during those those years. I, I didn't exist, but I but think that <laughs> growing up and learning jazz at school, yeah. did, were you aware of that stuff, or I I was made aware, yeah. Um, yeah. But like the '80s to, in Quebec specifically, seemed to me like it's it's like a very prolific period. But uh, like it, it's like it's not talked about at all anymore. Like as you said, like there's a cheesy connotation. Like some of it really didn't age well. But there's still something to it that's, I think, really important. Uh, yeah. And so it's, it's a nod to that a little bit. And that's why, like, the artwork is kind of like a proggy, jazzy 70s. Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. I mean, um, that was the idea is that, you know, it's sort of, it's like a, it's like a Quebec twist on a Herbie Hancock. Absolutely. I love that. Yes, 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 yes. I love Herbie Hancock. He's a good one. Um, <laughs> but I, I'd love to know about the artwork, speaking of it. Um, so who who did it? Like, was it made custom for this or was it existing artwork? Yeah, like no, it was definitely made custom. It's a friend of mine called Matt Maitland, who's based out of London, who's done like really, really big uh, sort of legendary album covers from for like Prince, Michael Jackson, Basement Jacks, wow. uh, Roy Sop. 
you know, obviously, I mean, this is going to sound funny, but like we welcome an artist like Nico, like Anomaly, you know, to our family, quote unquote. And, you know, we want to wow him a little bit. So it's like, look, oh, <laughs> you get to do your artwork, you know, like it's, it's part of us, but it's also part of us sharing something. And, and Nico's a guy who basically he's really like, he's one of one. There's not a lot of people like him and he's built his own following and his career. By As his the, name says it, Anomaly. Yeah. By <laughs> you know, like he's really unique. And so we wanted him to feel on this record, like he had a team around him that would support him artistically and musically and just, you know, feel like he had other artists in his corner, both right. visually and musically. Definitely. Well, I'm excited to see, you know, what else comes. Like that, Nico, future. How that feel? Is that is that accurate or is that? Oh, uh, that's extremely that's generous of you. I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a question about one song in particular, Bend the Rules. So lyrically, I was kind of trying to figure out, like, is this just about in like two concepts I kind of had in mind? Is this about bending the rules during COVID to go see someone and, you know, wow. Or is it about infidelity? Like, explain, if you could well, explain that. Uh, uh, <laughs> both. I, I guess both. I didn't, I didn't, COVID didn't exist when I wrote those lyrics. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's true. But, uh, but yeah, it's a great interpretation. It's a great uh, topical interpretation. Because, <laughs> like, I was, well, I was thinking, like, you know, this, this sounds like something that could be on Quarantine Casanova. Yeah, mm. on, the, uh, on the advanced edition. On the yes <laughs> yes <laughs> anomaly nico helped me a lot with the melodies to that song because quite frankly like the verse i didn't i didn't even understand what the leading tone was but thanks to nico i could find a, a way to construct melodies for that and oh yeah you know it, we learned a lot i remember like i mean nico was giving us like straight up like music lessons and like we talked so much about um different kind of Instagram nerd musician virtuosos and you know <laughs> change about that because it's 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 part of our world but sometimes it's not the main focus mm -hmm. so it's a, it's a learning experience for us as well you know it was a huge learning experience for me as well amazing that's, that's the idea and you know like right now music not to sound disgruntled but as you know having a podcast you know this too it's like so much is about algorithms and and data and yep. analytics that with Juliet for us it was it, it's crucial to, to to build human connections and meaningful connections and to have like a real human element uh accompanying each release absolutely yeah are you guys working on any new music together right now not yet we're, we're waiting for Nico Hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to uh, seeing what comes next. Um, we, still lot, we still have a lot of work to do on this EP. That's another thing. Sorry to interrupt. Mm -hmm. you. No, no. Because so much music comes out. And one thing we learned with Chromio is that you really have to keep at it for a long time. And people have such ADD nowadays because there's so much music that comes out that, you know, for a project like this, we have a lot of, uh, a lot of like plans with, uh, Nico's Twitch community and like remixes and remix contests and a bunch of stuff that we're going to roll out into the new year to, to kind of give this project some legs. Um, yep. Because it, it, there's so much music that's out every week that 
you need to have like kind of a, a, a longer game to cut through the noise, you know? Yeah, totally. No, I, I worked on my first indie release, like distribution and stuff. I think back in October, it was for Michelle Tracy. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, but I really, I've never done anything like that before. And I really realized that the real work kind of comes after it's out, even though it seems like so much before. Like No, it's, it you starts have to the day it's out. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's like, that's something we learned. Like when you guys were saying like, oh, you guys, you know, used to listen to fancy footwork in high school and stuff. Like fancy footwork, that album came out to little or, or no acclaim in 2007. And it's really in 2008 that it, that it blew up for us. So there was like one year of like us doing groundwork and legwork and paying dues and for for it to get to that place and that's a lesson we never forgot mm-hmm. what if you could provide one piece of advice to you know artists trying to push something right now what would it be just do you <laughs> do you because if you, if you want to be successful you have to be in there 24 7 and if you're not being yourself people will know and you won't last you won't last that long your your passion will run out you have to do you my piece of advice is your musical career starts after 10 years. It's, it's on, on the 10th, the 10th year is your first year. So the first 10 years, you know, you're building and then it's all about longevity. So it starts at year 10. Um, and that's not to discourage people on the contrary. It's to, to encourage people to really see the long game instead of looking for like, you know, short term success. Cause if you want to make a living and, and really make a mark, it's a long-term thing. Beautiful. I think that we were mentioning the algorithms and how, how much we're dependent on that now. Marketing is basically gaming or with the, with the algorithms. And I think it's important to be aware of that, but not forget that there's still the music and creative part. I think it's like one of the best times to learn music or make music because of how many resources are currently available online to learn basically anything and I would say, like, don't forget to try new things, explore, and work and on whatever you want to try, and also take some time for yourself. Amazing. Yeah, great piece of health advice. The health part, and I had a lot of conversations about that. This mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank, yeah, thank you guys so much for that. Um, before we wrap things up, I'd love to know who each of you guys are listening to right now. I've been diving back into a lot of uh, Keichinata recently, uh, lots of Mr. Carmack, and uh, I got like uh, I've been listening to TV themes from the '60s, like Star Trek, and like for the string arrangements specifically, trying to transcribe some of those. That's in oh. my recent stuff. Nice, that's so interesting. I got one Nico that you might want to check out too. Um, Madlib and Kareem Riggins put out a put out a jazz fusion like an afro jazz fusion album last week oh no way it's crazy and all the time oh, yeah, all that. the ti- all the titles are in french too it's called part of my french wow and kareem, okay <laughs> kareem riggins as you know is like an insane drummer of course mad lib but you know part again, of my french got it again like it what a, a an interesting example right of like like of all people, Nico should have been aware of that release in a way. But there's so much music that like how, how, you know, so much cool stuff like slips between the cracks, unfortunately. And I think it's really up to like the word of mouth thing to, to, to get it on each other's radar, right? 
yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. I didn't, I didn't hear about that either. So, but I'm going to check it out now. Um, it's the exact same thing. <laughs> nice. And I dove back. Uh, I've had a crazy Lilo Thomas phase this past week. Lilo Thomas is a sort of an underground funk guy from the 80s. Um, you should definitely check it out. Yeah, no, I'll definitely check that out. All right, any final words about the EP? Go listen to it. <laughs> That's it. Uh, where can people... Jazzy Journey with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, my last word would be like, as you know, consistent with our, our mission with Juliet, it's also about discovery. So those people out there who are not familiar with an Anomaly's music, you know, if this can, can bring you to his catalog, then great. And then hopefully we work on more stuff together. Tell you. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you guys so much for your time. Where can people find you? Uh, on the interwebs, at Chromio, at, at Chromio, at Anomaly. At Anomaly Beats. Anomaly Beats. Yeah. There we go. All right. Thank you guys for listening and I'll talk to you guys soon. Uh, Bye-bye.